Good morning, church. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. I'm going to lead us in prayer this morning. And I was reading the very end of the Gospel of Luke and the story of the road to Emmaus when the two people who were traveling actually met Jesus but didn't know it. And the section that I love about this story is right at the end when it says, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. I think sometimes our eyes can be completely shut to what God is doing around us. But you know what? Easter is just the most wonderful time because we can experience the truth of what the power of God is like, what he has done on the cross for us personally and for us as a world as well. So would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, we thank you for the truth of Easter We thank you that it's not just a historical event on Easter Sunday, a ritual or a tradition that we remember, but that every day can be a resurrection day where you can open up our eyes to who you are, to your great love for us. Lord, my prayer this morning is that we would live as resurrected people, that we would live in the power and the truth of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And may that truth be so real to us and may it fill our hearts with fire. And Lord, I pray that our eyes would be open to all of those around us, that you would give us fresh opportunities to speak to people, to reach out to people. Lord, I pray that this Easter would be a time in history when so many more people have time and space to reflect on the true meaning of this season. Lord, we want to be living and active and dynamic in our faith. Help us to do that. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And my prayer too is that as we head into this time now, that that your eyes be open, that your mind be open, that your heart be open to receive perhaps a new revelation, a new understanding, a new thought that would help you to spur you on in your faith and in your understanding of Jesus this morning. I'm going to hand over now to Kiara, who is our youth ministry coordinator, and she's going to bring to us the reading uh, that we're going to be looking at this morning from John chapter 20. Thanks, Kiara. Hi, church family. Happy Easter Sunday. Hope you're all well. And big hello to all of you in Hills Youth and Hills Tribe as well. I miss you all. I'm just going to be reading to you from John 20, verses 1 through to 18. talks about uh, the resurrection um, and the discovery of Jesus' empty tomb and Mary's encounter with Jesus after he's risen. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then they hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. 
Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognise him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabbani, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to your God, to my God, sorry, and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. Wow, the resurrection of Jesus, the story of the resurrection. Uh, when you first hear it, uh, you might uh, have the emotion of, of feeling confused or, or wondering what's going on. There might be doubt. There might be uh, a disbelief, perhaps. Uh, and if you had uh, felt that when you first heard the story of the resurrection, uh, or if you even still feel it now, you're actually uh, in good hands because even the disciples, even those who were with Jesus at the very uh, beginning for three years and who heard uh, Jesus' teaching, they were confused. Uh, they had uh, wondering what was going on, trying to work out uh, what had taken place. And so uh, we too have that natural reaction when it comes to the resurrection. Well, I want to start this morning by, by asking you a question. Perhaps uh, one day you in your letterbox received a letter and an envelope uh, and it was addressed to you. And you open up this envelope and inside the envelope is a letter written to you from a lawyer company. And the letter explains to you that some long-lost distant relative that you didn't even know existed has passed away and has left you millions of dollars in their will. It would be a bit of a shock, wouldn't it? Uh, but, and I'm sure first probably your thoughts would be, hmm, I'm a bit sceptical of this. Is this perhaps a scam? Uh, but it hasn't come to you in social media or, or over the phone as, as many scams do. It seems to be legit. Um, and even though you might doubt it, even though you might be sceptical of what it says, I don't think you'd throw it away. Why? Because the offer is just so wonderful and so great that you would probably look into it because of what the offer was. And the resurrection of Jesus is a bit like that. It might seem so bizarre and so out of place, but the offer, what it actually represents and what we gain from the resurrection is just so great and so wonderful that you would look into it, that you would um, yeah, look into the evidence of the resurrection. And so this morning, I want to look into the passage that was just read to us. 
And I just want to glean out of that passage a couple of things for us this morning. And I pray that it's an encouragement to you uh, as wherever you are in your faith, uh, whether you're first beginning or whether you're a well-seasoned Christian, uh, may it be a blessing to you this morning as we look into the text and ask a few questions of it. Um, So here is Mary. Uh, Mary discovers that the the body is missing and she races to tell uh, Peter and John, just like Kerry told us in the kids' story this morning. And I love the picture of Peter and John running to the tomb. What is this news? What is this amazing thing uh, that has happened? How do we make sense of this? And so Peter and the other disciple who doesn't name as John, but we know is John. And I love it how he uh, says that he runs faster than Peter and he reaches the tomb first. But it's Peter that actually goes in. And we know that Peter was one of those characters that just went for it and and put himself out there. So he, uh, in character, goes into the tomb. And there he discovers that the body is gone. But the, the linen, the, the bed clothes that the body was wrapped in are, are left and, and are there remaining. And the text says that both John and both Peter uh, saw what was happening inside of the tomb. They looked, they saw. Now, it's a really interesting Greek word that um, is used there. It's not a word that we um, use like he just saw as as in his eyes saw what was there in in reality the word there is thileo thileo and it's a greek word that means to theorize so what that is saying is that both peter and john theorized about what they saw they not only looked at what was happening in the tomb But as they looked, they were trying to work out in their minds what it meant. What did it mean that Jesus' body was no longer there? What did it mean that the bedclothes were there? They could have imagined something like, if it was grave robbers, why would they leave the, the, the linen there with the expensive spices? Surely they would have taken that. If it was one of the disciples why would they be so um, dishonoring to Jesus to do that? They're thinking, they're theorizing, they're trying to work out what is going on. They're trying to find an explanation. Um, and then at the then John, in verse 8, you can look at it, there's this beautiful sentence, just three words. John saw and believed. He saw and and believed. So at the end of this theorizing, at the end of this trying to work out what is going on, the end result of that was that he believed. And we know that Peter too uh, believed as he then uh, in Pentecost in a few uh, weeks time goes and starts the church. So the theorizing the trying to work out actually had an end point and it actually had a reason for it and that was to believe and why do I why do I bring this up why do I I talk about this see I think uh, many people today 
think that perhaps Christians, when they believe the story of the resurrection, have just had a blind leap of faith, that this is just taught and we have to believe it. Here for the very first disciples, the first witnesses of the resurrection, it wasn't just a simple, oh, I believe, but there was some working out to be done. There was some trying to understand the meaning and the purpose of it. These were people who had been with Jesus, who had heard him say he must die and he would be be raised to life in three days' time, and yet they still didn't understand. And sometimes we don't quite understand, and there needs to be some thinking through uh, what is going on. But the end result is for belief. That The Christian life isn't just being brainwashed. It's not about being uneducated or unenlightened. It's actually taking a look at the evidence that is before us. Uh, The Bible talks about working out our salvation with fear and trembling. And so we today, just like John, just like Peter, look at the story of the resurrection. We see it, we theorize it, but it's in order to bring us to a point where we believe. You see, for John, it was almost an instant seeing and believing. For Peter, it took a bit more working out. For Mary, it took even more evidence. For Mary, she actually needed to see Jesus in order to work out what was happening. And later on in the story, there's poor Thomas, who gets a bit of a bad rap, but I'm sure Thomas... uh, We can all relate to Thomas, who needed even more evidence. He said, unless I put my my hands in your wounds, I, I won't believe. And so can I encourage you this morning, wherever you are in your faith journey, that sometimes... For us and many of us, it's, it's a hearing and it's a believing and there's a, there's a straightaway belief. For many others of us, there is a journey and there is an understanding of the story and what that means for us. But wherever you are, the end result is for there to be belief, for there to be faith in the evidence that's been put to us. And so I want to encourage you this morning to think about your life in where you are uh, are, you, are you one of the kids who are watching and you're hearing the, the kid's story and you're putting things together? Are you someone who has, has seen and believed and experienced the risen Christ yourself? Are you perhaps someone this morning who is tuning in for the first time and just discovering and understanding, what does this mean? What is this all about? Um, the end result of all of this theorizing and seeing is that we would believe in the one who has come to save and to set us free. And what does that end result do? What does belief do? It changes a life. For every single person in this story who believed, their lives were radically changed. They went from being scared people hiding uh, in the darkness to all of a sudden being uh, bold and declaring the truth of what Jesus had done. So their lives were radically changed and your life can change even this morning uh, when you come to that concept of believing in Jesus. One commentator put it this way. They said, If you don't believe in the resurrection, you'll be forced to believe that what did hit the disciples was some other amazing event 
different in kind yet equal in force to its electrifying intensity. What they're saying is, if the resurrection didn't happen, something happened to the disciples that was of the same intensity to cause the change in their lives to happen. They, they didn't just uh, make it up, because if they made it up, uh, there wouldn't have been the massive change in their lives. And it goes on to say, if we try to explain in another way the changed lives of the early Christians, we may find ourselves making leaps of faith as great as if we believed in the resurrection itself. I'm going to read that again. If we try to explain in another way the changed lives of the early Christians, we may find ourselves making leaps of faith as great as if we believed in the resurrection itself. So that's the first thing I want to bring out of this story. The second thing is the way that Jesus relates to Mary. And it is a beautiful thing. Um, Mary is doing what perhaps a normal person would have done in this situation. Jesus has died and has and been buried in the tomb. And so quite obviously she's actually looking for uh, the body of Jesus. It's a very understandable thing to be doing in this situation. But the thing that she is doing is that she is looking for Jesus uh, in her human understanding of what Jesus came to do. Uh, in, our, in our human finite minds, we think that Jesus perhaps just came and was a good teacher and that he died and then that was it. But Jesus came to show us in the res resurrection that he, he blows our minds when it comes to our understanding of who he is. And so he blows uh, Mary's mind by um, coming to her and revealing himself to her and saying, I'm not dead. That The type of Jesus that you are looking for is not who I am. I am bigger. I am more wonderful. I am more powerful. I am more amazing than you could ever comprehend. But Jesus is so gentle, gentle in the way that he does it. He is, he is uh, gracious with Mary. If you, kids, if you think about Superman, uh, a lot of you had capes in that, that uh, video that we did. If Superman came back and returned, he'd do it in a very grand public way with flashes of lights and, and something, uh, an amazing rescue in front of thousands of people in a, in a crowded city. It would be a big spectacle. It would be a big show. But the way Jesus returns and reveals himself is something very different. Is something very gentle and very gracious. And here is a profound truth to what this text is telling us. And that is that, that Mary's uh, world view was radically changed when Jesus revealed himself to her. That um, the risen Jesus has, has come to her and revealed himself to her graciously and and what that's saying is that unless Jesus actually came to Mary, unless Jesus revealed himself to Mary, Mary would still be looking for the body. Mary would still be wondering what, what was happening. And it's the same with us. Unless Jesus reveals himself to us, unless he comes to us, we're perhaps still looking for a God that is not real, 
a God that is not the true God, a God of our own understanding and of our own imagining and theorizing. Jesus reveals himself to Mary and makes himself known to her. And it's when he says Mary that she finally understands. So Mary, so Jesus not only comes graciously, but he comes to build a relationship with us. And as he said Mary to Mary, he also says your name to you. As he comes into your life, he wants to establish a relationship with you uh, where he knows your name, where you're, you're no longer alone, but that you are able to uh, live in communion and into relationship with the risen Jesus. Jesus is still alive today. He lives in our hearts and he is able to be um, in relationship with us as we go about our lives. And so this meeting of Jesus and Mary is kind of like a retelling of the whole message of the Bible. And that is that number one, he comes and graciously to her and reveals himself to her just as Jesus reveals himself to you and I pray that uh, if you don't know Jesus this morning that he would be revealing himself to you in your life but the second way that it also retells the message of the Bible is as we think about who Mary was if you look at uh, Luke chapter 8 uh, there we see Mary Magdalene when she first encountered Jesus and it says in this story that that Jesus uh, that Mary was was demonized and that she had seven demons cast out of her. Now I don't know uh, what you think about the the concept of that, but we know that that Mary perhaps was was outside of the social um, construct. She was uh, perhaps homeless. She was perhaps a bit crazy. She perhaps talked to herself. Uh, she she wasn't kind of uh, the, the the person that would be in the center of, of social uh, systems. And yet, and this is what Kerry said to us in the, in the kids' spot, and yet Jesus chooses this woman uh, to be the messenger, to be the first preacher of the gospel, to go tell the others that I am alive, that I am no longer dead, but I am risen. This is an amazing thing. It might just we might just look over this in the story. But Jesus chooses, first of all, a woman and not a man. And I'm not being sexist in that. But in that time, uh, the thought of, of giving this important task to a woman to be a witness uh, was, was unthought of, which gives us reason to believe that this is actually true and that the disciples were actually honest about what actually had took place. So number one, she was a woman, not a man. Number two, she was perhaps a reformed mental patient at, at least. She was not a pillar of community. She uh, was not uh, respected. And yet Jesus chooses this woman to be the first preacher of the gospel. So Jesus in this says to you and I, I, didn't, I don't come to save on the basis of pedigree, I don't come to save on the basis of morality, of on your good record. I don't come to save because of your good works. I come to save because of my good works. I don't come to save people who think that they are strong, but I come to save people who know that they are weak. Behold here the grace 
and the love of Jesus who comes to us, who comes to Mary. And just like Mary, we may not have it all together. We may be thinking of Jesus as a small uh, concept of him and not understand. We may not feel strong in and of ourselves. We may not feel like we are the best people to uh, be saved or to be loved. And yet Jesus comes and he chooses Mary. What a beautiful picture of the gospel. What a beautiful picture of how Jesus doesn't save based on merit, but on grace. And he saves us too, based on that same grace. So this morning, can I encourage you on this Resurrection Sunday, that as we look to the story, uh, as we uh, look and think about all that happened on that great, amazing day, may it lead us into a belief May it lead us into a belief that not only just uh, we believe and therefore or we believe, but it completely radically changes our lives and we are able to live a new life in resurrection victory because of what he has done. And if you are feeling like perhaps you're unlovable or perhaps you don't deserve uh, the, the, the great work that he has done for you, uh, in the picture of Mary, we see a God who is gracious, a God who actually comes and says, Mary, what are you looking for? Mary, why are you crying? And in the same way, he comes to us and he says our name and he reveals himself to us. And because of that, our lives are radically changed and we're able to know of his great uh, love in our lives as we go and live this new resurrected life, knowing that he has defeated death, that what he did on the cross on Friday is now uh, completed. The work is finished and we now have a new life in him. What an amazing story and what an amazing thing for us to celebrate on this Easter Sunday. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you uh, that so often we might uh, see things and not understand, but that you are gracious in the way that you reveal yourself to us, uh, that you come into our lives and you make yourself known. I just want to pray right now for anyone who is perhaps feeling lonely or feeling uh, confused or not understanding really the real message of Easter. Lord, I pray that right now that you would be revealing yourself to them. Lord, that you'd be speaking their name, that they would know that you are present, that you are alive and that you are real with them right now. And for those who believe, Lord, may we, uh, just like Mary, take forth the message of the resurrection, tell others of the good news of Jesus, that he is alive and that we are no longer dead, but we too have that life that is victorious over the grave and that we have a life eternal, a hope and a future in him. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.